Hi, I'm Jessie Ware. I'm Lenny. And we're from the Table Manners podcast, and this week we're sponsored by Uniqlo. I'd really like to bring to your attention Uniqlo Airism. So it's a base layer that releases heat and moisture to keep you feeling cool. So Airism fabric includes antimicrobial and deodorizing features to help you stay feeling fresh. And Airism's so lightweight and it's really, really super smooth, which stays invisible beneath the clothes. So you can wear this layer and still be really cool. And it's soft. It's really it's soft. soft. Gorgeous. So discover Airism now in Uniqlo stores and online at uniqlo.com. Hello everyone and welcome to the Slash Filmcast. I'm David Chen and with me are... Vinter Hardware And Jeff Kanata. And welcome to the show. What we're going to be doing on today's podcast, we're going to be discussing some what we've been watching and then we're going to be moving into an in-depth review of Creed 2. Uh, joining us for that, let's just say extremely spirited conversation, is going to be Joseph Kahn, who's the director of a very interesting new movie on YouTube Premium right now. It's called Bodied. And you should check it out. Uh, Joseph has been a guest multiple times on the podcast before as well. Uh, a lot of fun, very interesting perspectives. I hope you will enjoy that conversation. I do want to point out that you should assume that starting at the beginning of that conversation, there's going to be spoilers for Creed 2. So just, uh, we didn't have a pre-spoiler, post-spoiler section in this week's episode of the review. Just keep that in mind. Um, so... Yeah, that's what's on tap for today. Find more episodes of this podcast at SlashFilmCast.com. Email us at SlashFilmCast at gmail.com. We got a lot of great emails in response to the Buster Scruggs uh, uh, kind of bonus episode that Jeff Kanata and I did last week. And I want to try to address those somehow. Hopefully we'll do an After Dark uh, at some point with those uh, emails and, and talk about spoilers for that movie. But uh, really appreciate the emails coming in to us at SlashFilmCast at gmail.com. Hey, gentlemen. I hope you all had a great Thanksgiving. Did everyone uh, have a happy Thanksgiving? Yeah, Canada? It, was yeah. good. it was enjoyable. Yeah. Happy Thanksgiving to you guys too. Yeah, I'm, I'm. One of the things I'm grateful for is is you you guys and our audience and this show. So Most yeah, definitely. Yeah. Did you guys uh, do any traveling? Uh, my my brother came up from the Bay Area to Seattle, Washington. Um, That's nice. How about you guys? No, I I like hunkered down because baby can't really move until <laughs> she gets her shots and stuff. So a couple people came over and I made a turkey. It was nice. Yeah, we hosted it at our house for the first time as well, um, which was intense, but actually turned out all right. Um, yeah, had had more people over than we thought we were going to, and and it all actually worked out. But it was it was uh, it was big step family wise. We we hosting for a first time. Yeah, uh, we we had a bunch of people over our place. Uh, we had Asian Thanksgiving, which means no turkey. We had duck instead, which uh, oh, nice. I nice. It's so I much better. Yeah. I agree. Turkey is like turkey. A really well done turkey is very good, but it is very hard to execute. I would say ninety yeah. percent of the Thanksgiving turkeys I've had are dry in some way, like Pretty, dry and unpleasant yeah. in some way. You know, it is ironic that the one holiday that is synonymous with a very specific main dish, the level of difficulty required to pull it <laughs> off. It's like you're starting, you know, you're starting handicapped. Uh, yeah, to, it's, to, not like, uh, it's not like it's not like spaghetti or something like that. Yeah. You know, like it's not that tough, but I think pe- there are a lot of bad techniques out there, and they've kind of lingered. Yeah. So it's yeah. difficult to do it, it well. It's difficult. It to ain't do it well. pizza. You know what I mean? Yeah, it ain't it's pizza. not pizza. It's not. It's not something like relatively easy to to prepare. So right. Uh, so the day after Thanksgiving was Black Friday, 
And I really had it in my head that I was going to try to buy a new television. I've had a plasma television for the last eight years. I hear uh, you. I bought, yeah. I bought one when I first came to Seattle. It was like seven or eight years ago I bought this mm-hmm. plasma television. And I was like, I you know, this is finally – as long as I could, Dave. Same thing. Yeah, yeah. This, is, this is the year I'm finally going to upgrade. And I just have to say that shopping for a television sucks. Like it is a, it it is a terrible process. Like – because um, I like how you're telling this to Devendra. <laughs> yeah, I like how Dave went through this whole process and never mentioned it to me. So it's <laughs> really his job. Yeah. Well, I just so so I, I discovered after so I spent probably I'm gonna say conservatively between four to six hours. And also in the age of wire cutter, Dave, how is this possible? <laughs> just they they tell you okay. go buy this one. Here, here's That's here's it. what I'm gonna, here's what I say. So I spent between four to six hours researching the right television to buy. Mm-hmm. And here, here's why it's difficult is because, okay, so Wirecutter and other sites will recommend a TV for you, but that doesn't mean that, A, uh, that TV is going to e- even be available locally, you know, at a, at a place you can buy it. And B, it's not going to mean that TV is going to be on sale. And in fact, like, it's very difficult to find sales uh, locally for uh, the LG C8, which is the, right. the kind of holy grail of OLED televisions. And you're um, saying locally because you want to be able to return it easily? Yeah, I mean, uh, if, if something I, goes wrong. Our current TV, we have a 65 inch TV in the in the living room. It's an LED TV, and uh, the first one that got to us was broken. You know, and uh, yeah, yeah, I just uh, after going through that experience, I, I don't want. I prefer not to have it shipped. You know, 500 miles again. It's it's not a great experience. I will tell you, I bought a plasma TV from Amazon in 2009 from my phone. It felt like the future. It was a 50 inch plasma <laughs> TV. It was amazing. Um, and when I order it, uh, for the longest time, Amazon does this like white glove treatment thing where yeah. uh, some guys will bring it, set it up, like take it to get out of the box, put it up on the stands and make sure it works. And if it doesn't work, they disassemble it. They put it back in the box and, you know, they just redo this process at one point. So uh, online TV buying is easier if you if you do a service like that. And that is no charge other than like giving the guys a tip or something. So I did that again for, with my OLED. But I hear you, Dave, like buying locally makes sense if you just want to like bring it back to the well, store. Well, here's why it sucks is that like you have all these models and the models are never like LG C8, that's probably the clearest it's going to be, but like right. you have like the uh, the uh, you know Samsung NU8000. Like it's it's not like iPad 1 and iPad 2 and iPad 3. You know, it's like it, it's pretty it, other it, than the model numbers being dumb and kind of confusing the ones you want to look out for i think are pretty clear dave but yeah the, I, I, no the ones you want are pretty clear but like the model numbers are dumb they, it's like yeah. very minute differences mm-hmm. between them that are like most people you can't even perceive what they are uh but of course if if i could perceive them I, it would bother me yeah um, can, can, can i do this because i know you bought something already dave but for uh, anybody I, I, else didn't, I didn't i actually ended up not buying anything because i was so what? frustrated by the entire process yeah oh jesus <laughs> yeah. so can you i tell missed... you something though oh, the, man. the one bullet you dodged as as speaking as someone who bought a <laughs> literally bought a television last black friday a year ago 2017's black mm-hmm. friday uh the bad thing about doing it at that particular time of year is what five weeks away yeah is... the new ones are coming See, right yes away. Yeah. yeah, CES comes and you go, oh, everything I bought is garbage. Except <laughs> it's, it's, it's good enough. So, yeah, uh, some simple TV buying tips. Uh, if you want a new TV and it's replacing your main TV, uh, save for OLED. You want OLED. Yeah, there's no question. You want OLED. Um, if it's like a smaller room or something or you really, really want like a giant TV, then maybe LCD works. But th- there are so many issues like you better hope all your seats are directly in front of that TV because anybody <laughs> sitting on the sides. Was is screwed. 
because what they're seeing is garbage. Uh, whereas le- at least you don't have that problem with OLED. So Dave, I'm very sorry you didn't end up picking a TV also because those sales just disappear and you won't see them for a while. So yeah, good luck. I mean, I'm probably going to wait till next year. And also I was disappointed yeah. that I'd gone through all this research only to discover that Devendra addressed this directly on the first episode of his new tech podcast. Yeah. Uh, why don't you give it a little plug, Devendra? Yeah, that's the No More Tech podcast at nomoretech.net. And that's no with a K. Uh, I get a lot of tech questions from people. So, yeah, my thing was I, I just kind of want to sit back and answer some questions. So it's it's kind of a fun side thing I'm doing. Um, not that these episodes aren't too long, but it's cool. Also, because I get these questions all the time. And also, Dave has me like on tap directly. David Chen <laughs> could get my attention immediately. <laughs> and this whole process, Dave has done nothing. Yeah, Amazing. well, so, I mean, I, I think I ultimately got to the right place, Devinger, which is that I want an OLED TV. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the the 65 inch OLED uh, LG C8 is mm-hmm. um, the standard <laughs> price is twenty six hundred dollars right now. You could yep. get it probably for cheaper twenty one hundred twenty four hundred if you find a good That's deal. That's amazing. What? <laughs> I'm gonna wait. It's I'm gonna like, wait a little you know, bit. I think next year it's next year is gonna be the year. Next year is gonna be the like, year. It's uh, like it's like Dave has a Joker problem and has a red phone that gets Batman whenever he wants it. <laughs> And he's like, I just don't know what to do about this Joker problem. <laughs> I think next year is going to be the year I finally go OLED. I think it's going to drop year, to like probably 1500 say, next yeah, year. OLEDs next year are going to get really good. The thing is, like, every year, the OLED is the best TV you could buy, you know? Yeah. And it's gotten to a point, at least within this year, I bought mine in 2016, and there are certain bits of technology that my TV doesn't have that the newer ones have. And eventually, I think I'll, I'll upgrade and I kind of want a bigger set. But at this point, if you see a cheap uh, LG C8 or even the E8, if you want the slightly better like stand and panel and stuff, um, just go for it. Just go for it because whatever you see next year, it'll it'll be so marginally better. It's not going to be worth the extra seven or eight hundred. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Next year, I'm going to get the LG C8. Mark next my year, words. You're going re- to replay. Yeah, repeat this entire process. So. Yeah. <laughs> we'll my wife was basically saying to me, you know, I feel like next year there's going to be a thing that costs $2,600 that you're going to think is better than the LG C8, and you'll just be trapped in this cycle forever. It's a, it's um, a forever cycle. The good thing about OLED, I guess, is that the tech is good enough that it'll look good for a while. And that has not been true for LCD and LED TVs, because those things have sucked for so long, and they've only recently started getting much better. All right. Well, uh, I'm I'm bummed I didn't check out Devendra's, uh, uh, you know, uh, podcast before I went TV shopping. But uh, to anyone else TV shopping this year, may the odds be ever in your favor. Good um, luck. So, uh, but OLED all the way. OLED all the way. Probably OLED one by LG uh, is the one we recommend. Okay, let's get to what we've been watching. Uh, I just want to mention a couple things real quick. So, as I as I talked about uh, a couple weeks ago on the podcast, uh, we are well into award season. Uh, there are tons of, you know, probably over a dozen movies coming out this month that mm-hmm. are really high profile, high pedigree, very talented directors um, that are probably going to win awards. And so I've seen, you know, I'm trying to work my way through this list and and get all all this cleared out before we make our top 10 of the year list. Uh, but before any of that, I want to mention that uh, I got my hands on the Mission Impossible Fallout 4K UHD disc. Nice. And uh, that is an awesome disc. Uh, yes. And it is well worth checking out. And I actually made a video review of it. You can watch it at youtube.com slash Dave Chensky, Dave Chen SKY. Um, it, really, it really deserves a better television, though, Dave. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're telling me. Um, so uh, highlights of the disc. I'll just mention real quick. There is a 
feature-length commentary track with Christopher McQuarrie and Tom Cruise. I have listened to, no exaggeration, eight to ten hours of Christopher McQuarrie interviews prior to prior to popping that disc into my player. Yeah. And there are still some good insights in that. In that I can listen to that guy forever. Very he's, talented, he's so good very generous stuff. filmmaker, uh, and very good at telling stories. So uh, I highly recommend that, that commentary track. There's a deleted scenes montage, which I was kind of disappointed hmm. by uh, because uh, I uh, would have liked to see the actual deleted scenes. But instead, there's no dialogue. It's just like Aww. a montage of all the deleted scenes. Um, the deleted scenes, they do have their visual effects and color grading all done. So it looks like they're part of the film almost. Is the helicopter thing in there? Like the No, it's the not. Track? So there's a, there's a scene what? in the trailer, right, where... Tom Cruise is flying a helicopter into the first trailer. Yeah. He's looking like he's flying it into a truck. And there are a lot of questions like, oh, why wasn't that in the movie? You're false advertising. And uh, I was hoping it would be in the deleted scenes montage. It is not in the deleted scenes montage. So that's a bummer. Imagine shooting that and not (laughs) like imagine how much work that took. Well, there, there are f- like full anything. action scenes in the deleted scenes yeah. montage that, like, a- as we discussed during our review of the film, it feels like the story, breaking the story of this film felt very haphazard. Like, yeah. it felt like they literally got to the location and then Christopher Quarry said, okay, here's what's finally going to, here's what's going to happen yeah. at this location. Listen, so, listen to all of those Empire podcasts, by the way. They, they did like three of them, they're yeah. all super long. And basically, uh, it's like playing jazz. It's movie. It's action movie jazz. <laughs> it's movie jazz. It's, it's, it's Mission Impossible jazz. Yeah, and, and then there's like featurettes on er- every major action sequence in the film, and mm-hmm. that's very cool. Um, there's also I like co- the, uh, there's a booklet in this DVD uh, or Blu-ray that uh, details all these stunts, just to say <laughs> Tom Cruise did this. Did you? Could you believe Tom Cruise did this? Every single page. Is to, is is basically telling you Tom Cruise did this. It's kind of hilarious. The the, the booklet is really bizarre because <laughs> it is basically uh, the the purpose of that booklet is to convince you that Tom Cruise almost died making the film. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, uh, can, can I read some quotes to you from this booklet, if I if I may? Here, it says uh, the stunt, and then it, it has these random ass quotes from people. So there is the halo jump, and then it says. The biggest risk of being at 25,000 feet is hypoxia, which is oxygen starvation, end quote. <laughs> that is the whole quote by Alan Hewitt, <laughs> British Army's Parachute Regiment. Yeah. Tom Cruise uh, does not need oxygen. Therefore, he, he is not in danger at all. <laughs> He's evolved beyond oxygen. Yes, that's, that's nice. right. Um, and then the final, there's this thing, the cliffhang, where like Tom Cruise is hanging off the side of the cliff uh, at some point in the movie. And it says, uh, quote from Christopher McQuarrie, this was the first sequence we shot after the break, and Tom and Henry were up there in the freezing cold on very treacherous terrain. We filmed it only nine weeks after Tom's ankle break. It was still broken while climbing the side of the cliff, and it was extremely uncomfortable for him, end quote. That's the whole quote. It's just like, yeah, he was in pain while making this He's movie. <laughs> vaguely uncomfortable. Tom yeah. Cruise. Is, so, and by the way, that, that is the tone of all the special features, too. Yeah. It's never, here are the 15 things we did to make sure Tom Cruise wouldn't die. It's always like, Tom Cruise almost died doing this, guys. Which I think is just like, a. on the one hand, it's exhilarating that he did all that stuff. On the other hand, mm-hmm. it's kind of a bizarre message, I think. that I don't want this to like get, yeah, go overboard, basically. Although, I, I, what else can he do? At this point, go to that space. That's a good question. Yeah. What else yeah, could we'll he see. do? We'll see. Um, but anyway, Mission Impossible uh, Fallout 4K, awesome disc. Highly recommend. Hugest bummer is that the box art does not match the recently released 
Mission Impossible 1 through 5 4K box set. So disappointing. Uh, what? Very, very irritating. And th- that's a bizarre decision, too, because the people who would buy that box set are probably going to care if the box art matches. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? We <laughs> literally talked about this when we talked about the box set. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. the idea that anyone, that this would be a blind spot to anybody at that company is is <laughs> unfathomable yeah, to me. I and th- there is a special box set now altogether with all of them. Yeah, no, that's right. There is we a talking about with buying them d- individually. Yeah. But God, here's my suggestion. Don't buy that because uh, <laughs> there's probably going to be a Mission Impossible 7 uh, uh-huh. Since the last one made eight hundred million dollars, yeah. and uh, if there is, Let, let's I, follow David yeah. Chen's purchasing advice: don't yeah. buy anything because <laughs> something the, else is coming. Always wait, Dave Chen. <laughs> always wait. All right. Well, that's that's my but, thoughts. <laughs> but spend many hours of your life researching it, yeah. and then do nothing. Definitely nothing. agonize about it. You know, like yeah. definitely, definitely agonize about it. Okay. Um, Want to mention a couple movies I saw as well? Uh, eighth grade. Uh, had a chance to see Bo Burnham's directorial debut. Uh, this movie is really great. You know, I think I think it's probably going to be my top ten movies of the year. It's just a really heartfelt story about uh, this girl making the transition from eighth grade to ninth grade, and uh, it, it is more painful and more upsetting than any horror film I've seen in 2018. That, I mean, that is just, why I haven't seen it yet. Basically, uh, uh, yeah, and particularly, I think you both you both have daughters. Is that correct? Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, I think world's uh, gonna suck. Yeah, it's gonna be. Uh, I think this film will help prepare you for how excruciating uh, adolescence will be for those. Well, people. at first it was just me hearing the word eighth grade, and I had like uh, PTSD over eighth grade. <laughs> so I was yeah. like, no thanks. It's literally a situation where every time this girl opened her mouth. I was afraid that something terrible would happen to her because it's nothing against her specifically. It's just like it's just such an awkward time period, you know, and uh, there's so many forces out there that are, uh, you know, arrayed at making you have a terrible time. And I uh, I just really felt for this character. Uh, it's an amazing uh, performance, uh, central performance, and I'd highly recommend uh, the movie. I think it's worth checking out. That's eighth grade. Had a chance to check out Ralph Breaks the Internet the sequel nice. to Wreck-It Ralph. I thought Wreck-It Ralph was only okay uh, when it came out. I actually was quite delighted by Ralph Breaks the Internet. Uh, it, the idea is that he gets onto the internet somehow during the course of this movie, and um, they they have like the internet represented you know, with all these uh, interesting and, and occasionally witty ways. Uh, and uh, ultimately, the, the the movie, as with eighth grade, uh, is is very much a movie about parenting. You know, it's a, it's a movie about uh, insecurities. With, in my opinion, the the Ralph Vanellope relationship is not a friend relationship. It is like a father daughter relationship, uh, and yeah, I yeah. think the movie brings that out really well. And it's about insecurities as a parent. It's about um, it's about uh, letting go of your child, uh, and how scary and terrifying that can be. And yeah, I, I do think if I had a child, uh, you know, that this movie would have wrecked me. Uh, but mm-hmm. Ralph, I've, you know, Ralph would have <laughs> wrecked me, as it were. But that, that's uh, the sequel. That's the next one. Yeah, that's the next where, one. But yeah, but uh, I think uh, otherwise, I think this movie is is uh, I enjoyed it more than the original, and uh, I'd recommend it as well. So that's that's two good movies I had a chance to see. Uh, and I want to mention as well in a an eight hour time period. Uh, on this Saturday, I saw two movies that are going to be in my top ten films of the year. Uh, wow! And one of them was Into the Spider Verse, and the other one was The Favorite, the new Yorgos Lanthimos movie. I think we're probably going to review 
both of these movies in the podcast is my I guess. I think we yeah. have to because so, we hate ourselves. Yeah. I'm not going to talk too much about them right now. Except you don't have to, to say talk that... about them at all. Don't have to even say them at all. <laughs> except to say that they're both awesome. Um, so that's the favorite, and it will be out in theaters in limited release. It's out in, li- in limited release right now, I think. And also uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse uh, comes out in theaters in a couple weeks. And yeah, I mean, those movies are both great. So that's all I'll say for now. That's what I've been watching this week. Devinder Hardware, what have you been watching this week? Uh, a couple of things. I've kind of been on like a spy and thriller genre kick for the past couple of weeks. So I finished uh, Bodyguard on Netflix, which is, it's fine. I, I know you really like it, Jeff, so I'm not going to crap on your enjoyment there. Um, I, th- I think there's some fun twists early on, but a series like this, which is really all about a major conspiracy that, you know, uh, goes all the way to the top of the government. Uh, the conspiracy has to be interesting, and I don't <laughs> think that's necessarily the case. Uh, there are some good twists, though, and a lot of things you wouldn't expect. And I think, uh, was it Richard Madden? Uh, does a good job. Um, but it gets progressively sillier to the point where, you know, I finished it, but I, I wasn't super invested in anything that happened there. Uh, but it's a fun ride. It's like a fun pop uh, spy thriller thing. Yeah, it's super pulpy. I just had yeah, so yeah. much fun with it. Yeah. It's just like, oh, what what can we do now? Uh, I, I don't know. It's funny that you brought up 24, though, because I feel like 24 did a lot of these things and did it a lot better in a way, too. But, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, I also saw uh, The Little Drummer Girl, which is a miniseries on AMC directed by Park Chan-wook. And I'm not seeing many people talk about this. Uh, this is based on a John Le Carré novel, um, stars Alexander Skarsgård and Michael Shannon, uh, it is sort of like a slow burn spy thriller, like liquory stuff usually is, um, a lot like Tinker Taylor. Uh, I think this is more reminiscent of that, um, series, the night manager from last year, a couple of years ago. And basically the formula seems to be, uh, get some really good looking actors, get a luck story and, you know, send them to exotic locations and maybe something interesting will happen. Uh, I, I feel like they're replaying that formula a little here. This is not like a high-grade Park Chan-wook, but it is a really good-looking series. Uh, in the dead of winter here in New York, it is really cool. It's like a nice vacation of a thriller, and it's interesting enough for me to keep watching. But yeah, it's not like high-grade stuff. That's Little Drummer Girl, and it's on AMC right now, right? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And one more thing. I think the high bar of everything I've been watching is Patriot. And I've talked about Patriot before. Uh, the second season came out a couple of weeks ago. I, I you know, powered through it. It is fantastic. It is so good and so weird. I think uh, someone described it to me like if uh, if Wes Anderson was like a cynical bastard, that's kind of what this series would be, except it's about spies. Um, the series is so good. It's on it's on Amazon. I feel like not many people are talking about it. and I don't see an advertised very much, but uh, incredible cast. Uh, it is. I described it before as a it's a it's a sad spy story. It's about a guy who is a secret agent, uh, but he secretly wants to be a folk singer. And he's just like done with his life. And it's it's a little out there. It's a little like uh, super stylized in the way that I feel like a Wes Anderson thing can kind of be. Uh, his dad is, I believe, the director of the CIA. His mother is like a, a director of transportation or something. Like it's just, there's a lot of like big convenient things going on here, uh, you know, to tell this story. Uh, but it's hilarious, uh, has an amazing cast. Uh, Kurtwood Smith, who I love, uh, really gets to shine here. Um, who else? Terry O'Quinn. Terry O'Quinn and Kurtwood Smith. Just seeing these like 
you know, these guys, these like treasures of television and movies uh, have a chance to shine together. I think it's fantastic. It's so weird. I can't think of a show that has like the sense of humor that this show does. Like it'll do, it'll do something really dramatic and then go silly. It'll go silly to dramatic. Uh, it has a really weird tone, but I love it. So definitely check it out. Please watch it. It's on Amazon prime. All right. Uh, that's Patriot season two, Jeff Kanata. What have you been watching this week? Uh, I had a chance to see an early screening of Mary Poppins returns. Um, and boy, I'm conflicted about this movie. Uh, I know that a lot of my friends and colleagues who have seen it early came out just singing its praises and I wanted to love it. I do think it is a very well-made movie. I think that Emily Blunt as Mary Poppins is extraordinary. I think she, she is, it's a really wonderful performance. She shows, uh, some, amazing ability to sing that I have seen her sing before this. And, uh, she's quite uh, excellent at it. And, um, Lin-Manuel Miranda is in it as well as sort of the stand in for the Dick Van Dyke type, uh, from the first film. Uh, it, it's a very difficult movie for me to even understand how I feel about it because it is a, it is a side cool, uh, sequel kind of, uh, reboot sp- slash sequel movie really uh requires knowledge of the first i think maybe it doesn't require but i think leans on knowledge of the first uh it it is a the next generation of the same family from the first mary poppins movie mary poppins of course a classic and i think uh nearly perfect practically perfect in every way right, right. so so uh i don't want you to get too much into the plot of this movie but mary poppins comes back to like enchant the next generation of the family is that what it is but, uh, but has she yes, aged? It is like she, no. she, 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 she's an alien. She, she's like the same age as she was in the it's first film, right? Michael and oh, what's her name? The two kids from the first movie that fly a kite. Um, Michael and uh, oh gosh, I can't remember the name. Um, but uh, yeah, they're grown up now. They, it is they, they have children. Uh, I mean, not together, they're brother and sister, but it's Michael's children. <laughs> I want to uh, see that movie. Yeah. Mary <laughs> yeah, Poppins is a, like, why'd you do that? It's just, wrong. Mary, Mary Poppins is like, a spoonful of disgusting, can't get this down, this is hair, horrible. Yeah. Uh, no, it is, um, yes, it's the next generation of the Banks family, um, and she has magically not aged. And they kind of can't remember her, right? It is that strange thing of childhood where you kind of vaguely remember having a nanny named Mary Poppins, but they don't think because they're adults now. And when you're an adult, all the magic leaves your life. Uh, they don't remember anything magical happening. Like the hook scenario. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so I think that first movie is extraordinary. I mean, it really deserves the term classic, right? It is every song in it is. I mean, we all know every song, Supercalifragilistic, Spoonful of Sugar, uh, Go Fly a Kite. Uh, I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on, and they're all so memorable. And I think the music in this movie, this is, again, a musical, full full musical with big numbers. The music in this movie is very good. The filmmaking is very good. The performances are all very good. It's a very high-quality film. Sounds awesome, and, Jeff. No reservations, right? Well, and yet you can't help but compare it <laughs> to the first Mary Poppins, and there are some beautiful uh, sentiments in this movie. There's, it's, it's a movie really about accepting of loss in, in, in a lot of ways, which is a really interesting take uh, on this kind of template. But 
I don't, I couldn't tell you any of the songs. Like I couldn't, I can't hum any of them right now for you. And it's hard for me to know if that's just because I've seen Mary Poppins about a billion D times and everybody has heard the music even more than they've seen the movie. But, and, and maybe this movie, if, if it, you know, if people embrace it the way pre-sales seem to indicate they will, it will lodge its way into the cultural psyche. Uh, it will have cultural relevance in a way some most successful movies of all time don't. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but I honestly, I, I don't think the, the movie holds up to that standard. I, I, and again, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it will sort of find its way into that level of classic, but I just don't think it has it in it. And even though it is a very well-made movie, you just can't help but compare it to something that is a pure classic. Like in the pantheon of great musicals in the cinema, I think Mary Poppins has a place. And it tries really hard, <laughs> you know, there, everybody is, is giving it their all and you see that. But uh, I just it just came away from it thinking this is a good movie, but not. But but it seems diminished in the shadow of what it is sequelizing. And uh, ultimately, I feel like it kind of doesn't earn its place alongside that movie. Um, it does some wonderful things. I cried a couple of times. I mean, it's it's a lovely movie in a lot of ways. It's just it, it just pales in comparison to the thing it's trying to stand next to, you mm -hmm. know. Well, I'm sorry to hear that it is not another classic, but I'm glad to hear that the movie is not bad. Uh, which... It is definitely not bad, and a lot of people I know a lot of people have uh, have expressed a, a lot more enthusiasm for it than I have. I, I've seen a lot of people that came away loving it. I just didn't love it. I, I thought it was I thought it was good. You know. All right. Well, that is Mary Poppins Returns. And it'll be on theaters later this month. I'm thinking of taking my parents, actually, um, just because I think Mary Poppins was one of the first movie memories I ever had. Mm. Uh, my mom, you know, my mom's wow. a musician, and she introduced me to that movie. And I, I think I probably watched it like a dozen times when I was I would a kid. love to hear your opinion of it because uh, maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. I mean, maybe uh, or maybe you will come away much more enthusiastic than I am. Like I said, I, there's a lot to like in it. I, I can't wait to talk. I would love to talk in more detail spoilers about it because I have very specific quibbles as well, but yeah, it is, it's a tricky thing. You know, it's a tricky thing revisiting that particular universe. You know, it's, it's not easy to pull off. Uh, well, again, that's Mary Poppins returns and we'll probably talk about it in more depth at some point in the future. Before we move on with the show, we got to thank all the people who donated money to this podcast recently. A big thanks to Christopher from Lords Valley, Pennsylvania, who's been a fan for quite a while. Thanks so much for your contribution, Christopher. And also to Wenzhang He, who gives a shout out to his friend Tian Yihan, who's a listener from China. And apparently it's his birthday this week. Hey. So happy, happy birthday, birthday Tian Yihan. Um, hope you are enjoying your week this week. And enjoying the shout-out that I'm in the process of giving you right now. Um, also, a big thanks to a uh, new subscriber, Brandon Brevard, uh, who subscribed at the rate of $2 per month. Uh, and if you want to support the Slash Filmcast monetarily, you can always do that by going to paypal.me slash filmcast. That's paypal.me slash and then the word filmcast. Uh, all the money you donate does go to help us defray the cost of seeing movies and putting on this show. We really appreciate any uh, donations that people have, uh, but we never want you to donate if it is in any way a hardship for you. Uh, if you want to support us without donating money, you can always do that by leaving a review 
on whatever platform you're listening to us on. But thanks so much to all the people uh, for donating this week. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much. It's time for our sponsor, RX Bar. RX Bar. I got to tell you, um, when we first were sponsored by RX Bar, they sent me some RX Bars to try. And uh, I will be quite honest. I was a little skeptical because I have had many protein bars in my time, many, uh, you know, replacement meals and all these these things, that meals on the go, all those kinds of stuff. I, I exercise a lot. I like these kinds of things. But I rarely enjoy the flavor. And I even more rarely enjoy the texture. But RX Bar, it worked, man. They got at least one customer, me, because I've been buying these things ever since. And uh, I buy I buy boxes of them. I love having them in the house. I love being able to uh, leave late for something that I, I didn't have time to eat. I can just throw an RX bar in my bag or in my car, eat it on the on the go. It's not messy. And I love the way they taste. They have great flavors, um, all kinds of uh, of flavors. Like fourteen flavors they come in. Um, there's chocolate chip, mint chocolate, coconut chocolate. My favorite are the berry ones. The mixed berry and the blueberry are awesome. But there's all of them are, are actually quite good. And the best thing about RX bars, I think the best thing is the flavor, which is why I started there. But the, the fact that you're actually putting real food in your body, they're not, uh, there's no artificial colors, artificial flavors, preservatives, or fillers. In fact, everything that's in the bar is printed right on the package. You actually see all the ingredients. These are real ingredients, real food. Uh, they're gluten-free, soy-free, and dairy-free. Real ingredients, though, uh, they taste really, really good. I love the the flavor. I love the mouth feel uh, of RX bars. And you can get 25% off your first order of the best seller variety pack by visiting rxbar.com slash filmcast and entering promo code filmcast at checkout. This is valid in the U.S. only. So sorry, international listeners, but this is U.S. only and for a limited time. So get on it. Uh, rxbar.com slash filmcast for 25% off. All right, before we get to our review of Creed 2 tonight, we got to introduce our guest for this episode of the podcast. Joseph Kahn has directed music videos for artists such as Taylor Swift, Lady Gaga, Mariah Carey, and literally every other major musician in the world. He's also the director of films such as Detention and Torque, and his newest film, Bodied, is available right now on YouTube Premium. Joseph Kahn, welcome back to the Science Filmcast. Joseph, how are you doing today? Good. Thanks for having me. Great to have you, and congrats on the release of Bodied. Um, and Bodied won multiple awards before it got released. It won the Audience Award at AFI Film Fest, Fantastic Fest, and also the People's Choice Award at the Toronto International Film Festival. Uh, so congrats, man. It's pretty pretty awesome. Um, Thanks. So, uh, you know, before we get to our review and, and talk about another movie, let's talk about Bodied real quick. Like, Bodied is a movie about battle rapping, and uh, just tell us a little bit about... Uh, what moved you to make this movie? Um, I really didn't make a movie about battle rap on a weird level. It was just kind of a metaphor for the world today. And I wanted to talk about, you know, just the way we communicate and how the internet has changed the dialogue in terms of who gets offended and what gets offended and how you get offended. And that's what the movie is really about. I mean, the premise is very simple. It's about a, a white dude who's an academic um, who is studying uh, for his master's degree about the N-word in battle rap. And he goes in and eventually kind of wins a battle by accident and, and starts pursuing this. But in order to win in battle rap, anything goes. And 
and through the movie, basically, he has to become more and more racist to win. So that's kind of the premise. <laughs> it happens pretty fast, actually. He gets real racist real quick. <laughs> I uh, I saw you tweet recently, just not not that recently, but like a while back before the movie came out, about how you were you were kind of afraid of how offensive the movie was, and you were saying like. Uh, that if the movie had come out later, it might not have been even possible for it to be released, right? That our intolerance against offensiveness has gotten so high that you weren't sure about that. Um, well, I didn't even, I'm, I'm kind of surprised it even got on YouTube premium, quite frankly. You know, um, <laughs> it's, it's, um, it, doesn't, it doesn't hold anything back, and it's saying things that – I mean quite honestly, I think some of the stuff if it came out 10 years ago wouldn't have been that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but in today's environment, the stuff that's being said on screen, it's just – like I'm telling you, even though I released it on YouTube Premium, there is a lot of controversy in terms of whether or not people should really support this movie. I, I think even on an internal level over there. It does such a good job though of being exactly what you intended it to be, a, a really – sideways way into talking about what the world is today. And you don't, nobody's precious. I mean, everybody is, is skewered in this movie. Everybody, everybody's platform is, uh, held, uh, you know, as suspect and, uh, it's, it's equally, uh, harsh on everybody. And I think that's to its credit, right? Well, yeah, I mean, that was definitely the intent, but the funny thing is as much as I, I purposely made this movie to offend people. The funny thing is the people that are offended are not admitting they're offended. That means they're super offended. You know, <laughs> they, they don't come back going, oh, this film completely offended me. They come back and they go, you know, uh, I was on board with 90% of this movie, but the 10% was a little extreme and I did not agree with they, – they just find some sort of really cool semantic way of saying that they're not offended about it, but they are. And they're only offended about like the 10% that it pertains to them. Usually it's like – I mean here's an obvious example that I, I don't think by me saying this is anything um, that no one can ever figure out. But like for instance, like white feminists, right? They'll watch this movie and one of their character – one of the characters is a white feminist, and she does not get portrayed very, very well at least – for most of the film anyways right and i'll find that like you know like a like some white dude will try to white knight the whole thing and basically defend the white feminists on the movie and say you know this movie was fantastic except for the 10 percent that were about the white feminists i felt that was too far but here's the thing about the movie are are you really saying that 90 percent of the movie was okay and only the 10 percent offended you about your particular subject no a hundred percent of the movie is offensive and therefore if you're saying that 90 percent didn't offend you but only the 10 percent offended you on that particular thing you might be fucking racist because this whole movie is offensive. <laughs> if you're looking at it from that perspective, uh, I want to ask you, Joseph, about the distribution of this movie. One of the things I've really admired about you is, like, the last two movies you've made, Bodied and uh, Detention. You, you've kind of made them on your own terms, you know, like uh, outside of the studio system, self-financed, uh, and you you probably learned some things from the distribution of Detention. I'm curious, like. Uh, can you tell me more about the decision to release on YouTube? And particularly, like you, you were re- this video was, or I should say, this movie was released on Eminem's YouTube channel, right? Who is an executive producer on the film, so uh, that gave it a, probably a, a pretty big boost uh, in terms of viewership. So, can you just talk a little bit about uh, the distribution and, and the rationale behind it? Okay, so everything I learned off Detention does not apply to the world today because within the seven years that I released Detention, the world has completely changed. So literally every single thing that I learned off Detention did not apply to Bodied, like nothing. Like the distribution channels completely switched, uh, theatrical 
business model has, uh, has blown up. Netflix has come. Uh, there's all these new channels and, and different perspectives. And even while I was making Bodied, within the two years of getting released, everything flipped over. There was a point at which Netflix was like buying new product. And then within the two years of, uh, of like trying to release Bodied, Netflix is now like, fuck new product. We'll just make everything internally. <laughs> so <laughs> the whole world keeps flipping, and it keeps flipping every six goddamn months because of these computer algorithms that all Silicon Valley is using, and they keep finding new ways to game the system. Um, it has nothing to do with me as a filmmaker. It has everything to do with uh, the, the algorithms and the, the little fucking nerds behind the computers trying to figure out how to fucking game the system to extract as much you know, profit share as possible. And meanwhile, I'm just trying to make a fucking movie about, um, you know, battle rap, you know? <laughs> well, about that, I mean, I think battle rap is such an interesting subculture. And I found myself immediately after the movie ended Googling uh, like real battle raps. And, and I realized that you used a lot of the actual figures from that from that world in the movie. Were you a fan of that subculture? Did you have to learn about it? And how how were the actual raps written? Did, did they contribute? I am. I'm definitely a fan of the subculture, and I was studying it for ages because, you know, if you know anything about my sense of humor, I like offensive humor. Uh, I like shock humor, and battle rap is that. And also, I love race humor. Um, these are all things that I like, so battle rap is all about that stuff. Um, I actually was thinking about doing a battle rap movie ever since Detention. If you notice Detention, there's two battle rappers in it. There's Organic and there's Dumbfounded. That's because I was watching battle rap so much. Even when I did Power Rangers, the guy that played Bulk, he's madness. He's a battle rapper too. So uh, I, I wanted to make a battle rap movie for ages. I just didn't know what to say. Um, and it wasn't until like a couple of years ago that I got into like this big controversy on Twitter, which you know I always seem to do all the time, where I literally couldn't say anything right about a particular subject about race. But I thought, <laughs> wow, this is a really interesting subject matter. And battle battle rap um, seems to be this throwback to kind of like this old school perspective of race that's also coming from a very different place than how people are discussing it on Twitter. I mean, one of the things I did do with a body is not only did I cast um, battle rappers, I got a battle rapper to write the movie, Kid Twist. Um, mm. And Kid Twist actually is a lot like the actual character. It's loosely based on his life. It's not really a one to one thing. Um, but you know, Kid Twist and uh, the character of Adam—they're both skinny white males that are academics. And I was very in interested in trying to sort of like figure out how this extremely liberal white Canadian dude um, could say all these racist things about my people, Asians, <laughs> you know, in a battle rap, <laughs> and uh, extracted a movie out of that. Very cool. Um, well, where can people find Bodied? Like, if you want to watch Bodied, how should people get to it? Well, YouTube Premium, and I'm kind of like, oh yeah, this is how the entire thing kind of like fluctuates. Because you know, part of me goes, hey, everybody, go to YouTube Premium, get that free um, uh, that free uh, uh, subscription thing. But I also know that in six months, iTunes comes out, right, and DVD possibly, but we don't know, and. For everyone that gets a free YouTube screening, do I make – I don't make any money off of that, but I know that I'll make money off of the – when they, they sell the physical media. So <laughs> I, it's, it's, just, it's just a hard place for a filmmaker to try to figure out because I still owe money on this thing. So I don't know. Go see it on YouTube Premium, but afterwards, go buy a iTunes thing, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> a wholehearted endorsement right there. Um, but yeah, you can check out Bodied on YouTube Premium, and it is well worth watching. I'd recommend it. Uh, so let's get to our review today for Creed 2. We got this. You heard me? 
got rules. Outside, we got nothing. Life hits you with all these cheap shots. People like me, we live in the past. You got people that need you now. You got everything to lose. This guy's got nothing to lose. I ain't got a choice. That's the same thing your father said, and he died right here in my hands. Listen to me, this guy is dangerous. But you don't think I could beat him? That was from the trailer for Creed II, uh, the newest film in the Rocky franchise. I'm going to read the plot summary from IMDb. Under the tutelage of Rocky Balboa, heavyweight contender Adonis Creed faces off against Victor Drago, son of Ivan Drago. Uh, this movie was not directed by Ryan Coogler, as the first one was. It's uh, directed by Steve uh, Capel Jr., but it brings back a lot of the cast of Creed I. Uh, Jeff Kanata, let's start with you. Uh, what did you think of Creed II? Do you think it was a worthy follow-up to Creed I, which is a film I think we all enjoyed here on the podcast? Yeah, I, I adored Creed One, and uh, I am I am almost as uh, happy with this one. I think it's a phenomenal sequel, and it does the thing that uh, so many so many franchises are trying to do uh, <laughs> these days, which is uh, use the juice of thirty years ago to yeah. actually enhance the viewing experience for today. And it, it's so, a sequel to a movie from thirty years ago, just like Creed One, in a way. Yeah, right. right. Like, it's it's a sequel to two movies, right? It's a sequel yeah. to Creed and a sequel to Rocky Four, and somehow manages to do both pretty well. Uh, I I really love this movie. I really love the first movie. I think these characters are great. I'm so pleased that we have more time with these characters, that all of them are back, that we get more time with Felicia Rashad, for example, who was so great and so brief in the first movie. Uh, and every thread is picked up from the first Creed. But even more than that, threads are picked up from 30 years ago. And it's, you know, we have that with the Star Wars franchises. We have it with a lot of these side boots or C boots or whatever they're called sequel and reboot at the same time. Uh, and it's, it's a very hit and miss prospect, but this franchise seems to have done it very well. And you have these scenes where somebody's looking at a photograph from a movie 30 years ago, but it's a photograph from the things that really happened in this, in this timeline. Right. And because we have, or at least I have the memory of seeing that and the 30 years in between, it, it it really does have a weight that you just don't get in a regular movie where they look at the picture from 30 years ago and you have to imagine the backstory, right? We we got the prequels to these movies in real time. And, uh, and that's pretty cool. And it really, it manages to advance Adonis's story in really cool ways. It manages to be uh, a uh, an advancement of uh, Rocky's story, which I find interesting still. And it also manages to make Ivan Drago a cartoon character from Rocky Four into a three dimensional character that I actually care about. And that's uh, a, I think no small task. Also, and it also does the thing the first Creed uh, movie did so well, I think, which is it knows that these movies, these Rocky movies, they became something that they didn't start as. They turned into fireworks, but they started out, the first Rocky movie is about character. And Creed and Creed II, remember that it's about character more than fireworks. It's about, the, the yes, the, the boxing is still spectacular in these movies and still fun to watch and still well shot, but really the heart is the character and 
that first Rocky movie, so few people, I think, think about the Rocky franchise as it started and think more think about as what it become became, which is sort of this cartoon character thing. So this movie remembers that and also sort of uh, retrofits character onto the most cartoonish entry into the series. It's a great movie, and I, I really recommend it. Joseph Kahn, let me ask you in our pre-spoiler section here, what did you think of Creed 2? I think everything Jeff said is bullshit. <laughs> nice. I had a like feeling this is going to happen. I had a Are we yeah, rap battling right now? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that Creed uh, is the Kim Kardashian of boxers. Um, I think that when you watch these sports movies, they're all predicated on one thing. Who deserves to win? Mm. I mean, that's really what all these things are. It's trial by fire. It's a very ancient concept of trial by ordeal. And the person who kills the other person is the person who deserves to live, you know? And ultimately, when you watch the Rocky movies, it, it isn't the same thing as the Rocky movies. The initial Rocky one movie, which made it a classic, um, is predicated on the idea that it's not about the win. It's about the effort. He doesn't win. Remember that. Mm-hmm. He loses, and it's a victory because it's an internal victory. Mm-hmm. All the other Rockies are about winning, and all of a sudden you take this character who um, who was down on his luck, turn him into this vast superhuman pumped-up super rich dude that, that culminates in Rocky IV in beating the Soviet Union. Uh, it, it's a cartoon. It, it's literally at a certain point he becomes the embodiment of republicanism. And Stallone is a Republican, you know, <laughs> and 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 what ends up happening is that in Creed, um, you're not even talking about a guy down on his luck. That dude, look at the house he grew up in. It is a gigantic, huge. It's bigger than my mansion, and I have a mansion. To be saying. fair, though, to be fair, the very first scene of Creed is him like being. Is it what is it? Uh, is it a detention facility or something? It's it's a thing where Felicia yeah. Rashad's character's there. Is that a juvenile, you know, yeah, he, juvenile delinquent yeah. detention? Okay, so so basically he's Trump and he got put into a little juvie for a second because he was a he's kind, It's kind of both worlds, right? He has the Rocky hard knocks, but he also has like the Creed, like the the bling, like growing that, up with I'm a sorry. bit of that. Oh, yeah. Here's the thing: boxing is nothing but fucking dudes down on their luck that 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 are forced to fight because they have no other options. Right. right there are right, no yeah. rich boxers in the world. And by the way, um. If he's Apollo Creed's son and Apollo Creed died in 85, that dude's like 33 years old. That's old for a struggling boxer, by the way. <laughs> but by that age, you're done, okay? So like, if you really look at it, this dude, he may go to juvie because he's a fucking spoiled rich kid, but he's got all the no, money it was, in the It world. was before he was a rich kid. Yeah. Well, he, he was just like a kid. Yeah. Apollo before. Creed was already fucking rich, right? So, right. He, so now he's like coming into whatever. I, I don't remember Creed one, but anyway, he could if if he got paralyzed, his mom's gonna feed him a lot of fucking cash. Right. Okay, he does not have the same problems as um, the Dragos, right? Right. And on the flip side, look at the Dragos. Those guys are so down on their luck, you know. Like his poor dad was like pumped full of steroids because the government told him to. Probably came from a fucking shithole place that no one even cares about. Fucking um, like gets dropped by his country and all of a sudden they're the real boxers they're the ones right, that are right. struggling down in it they're their the ones mom that, leaves them how sad is that like i mean uh, the kid doesn't even look like his fucking mom or dad you know so like <laughs> like th- that kid has some serious problems that kid if anyone deserves to win you know, that kid deserves to win and i can't um, wait till they grow out like I, I want the future creeds to be like maybe eventually they come to some sort of understanding anyway like whatever yeah. we're just we're just in an interesting phase of 
of American culture where we're rewarding rich people for just being rich, period. You know, we don't give a fuck. You're rich. You deserve to have everything. You deserve to have boxing. You deserve to be president. You deserve everything. And the poor people just give them everything. So Creed two, have at it. But well, you're just rewarding more rich people. With, with all due respect, I, I think the message of the first Creed is exactly addressing – everything you're saying like the yeah. whole point of that first movie is that there is a hole that no amount of money can fill in his life because not that's, knowing his father and and so the money he literally that, makes the decision to walk away from all the money the first fight that he he uh, loses in the first creed he he puts up his his awesome sports car that and he loses it and he loses everything and he moves into a a shitty apartment and goes away if his mom disowns him, says, I'm not going to support you if you do this. And he – the whole point is that he's willing to give up all of that stuff in order to find out who he is because all of the accoutrement of of the wealth wasn't who he was. God, fucking Americans love this message. They love it. <laughs> it's, like the, it it's like every fucking episode of the Kardashians, which I don't watch. I'm pretty sure it goes along like this. I have all this money, but I would walk away from it all if I had just my own soul and, and my friendship with my sisters, and I don't need all this money. But at the end of the day, you still have that money. You could put yourself in a fucking tiny apartment, but at the end of the day, you got a trust fund, dude. It's yeah. it's the dragos don't have a trust fund. That it's, guy it loses seems the match. Like you, have, you have a problem, Joseph, with the core concept of Creed, uh, well, with I like how it all was all. I think I just have a problem with the world today, quite frankly. <laughs> this is just another example of it. Look, movies are epistemologies. Movies are methods of thinking about knowledge, right? And at the end of the day, the the sort of like like this drug that's out there in terms of what success is and how mm -hmm. we sort of accept certain sort of perceptions of how to accept success for certain types of people. We're in a, we're in a phase right now where we want to reward rich people and we want to make them seem like us. They're like, Oh, no matter the fact that he has this giant mansion that is three times bigger than Joseph Kahn's mansion, you know, <laughs> like, like, uh, only three times bigger. Hmm? <laughs> Maybe it could be four or five. I don't know. It's, it looks really fucking huge. Right. <laughs> So what I'm saying is that like we we want to just keep rewarding the Kardashians and the Trumps and any pop star or whatever like whoever is rich like all the all the rich person has to say is I'm like you I could walk away from the money but they're not like you they will always have health insurance they will always have a car they will always have money uh, it, when when Creed if Creed lost the end of this movie right um, the world wouldn't change that much for him. He would just well, he be lost like a, at the end of the first movie. That was kind of critical. Yeah, to, he did to the, whole the first movie. Okay, Dude, it was Rocky about, One all over again. We're not talking about Creed One. We're talking about Creed Two. <laughs> okay, and that's a very good differentiation because Creed One already happened. Let's talk yeah. about the second movie now because the second movie has a whole new set of rules. The dude is rich. The dude is friends with his mom. Yeah. The dude is now in the trust fund. If Creed lost this this battle, nothing would change in his world. Nothing. He would just have an, like a hurt ego. Right. Pretty and much. Then, but he, yeah. he could have easily yeah. found some sort of uh, beautiful spiritual answer to it all, just like Rocky one did. You know, I lost the battle, but I found what it meant to be like you, dad. Like you died in the ring. I survived and I and I survived. I did something that you couldn't do. I survived against, you know, the guy that was bigger. It was my spirit that kept me alive. And he could have completely done the Rocky one story. But instead, we just have to reward him because he's just Creed because it's just the the. Um, the way that both sports movies work, um, pop movies work, and and modern culture works right now. We must have the winner win.
But well, I, I, I bring up this earlier point just because Creed won not too long ago. I think it's a part of this modern culture. And that was a movie where the main guy lost. So I'm just I, po- poking I, a hole in this theory here. Yeah, I, I also think that I, I want to be very clear. I'm on the same page with you as far as modern culture. <laughs> the, yeah. the critiques of culture, I am. Listen, we can we can have a, a hate rich people off and we, we, we do very well. But uh, <laughs> the, the I think the. Uh, the idea here, I, the one way to look at it is the way you're looking at it. Another way to look at it is that for this kid, the 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 rich person fuck you money version of this is I don't got to fight you, uh, Russian person who has I don't care about. I don't have to fight you. I have all the money. I have everything to lose. Rocky straight up says that to him. You have everything to lose here. And people who have nothing, he has nothing to lose. Why would you even take this fight? Don't take it. Don't take the fight. And the whole point of the movie, and I get what you're saying, that it humanizes the rich person in a way that you find offensive. But I think another way to look at it is that it, you could read it as saying the richness is shallow and that there is something deeper that you need to have. There is an honor that is required for you to find your humanity that doesn't have anything to do with wealth. Dude, I am so sick of everyone justifying <laughs> rich people. It's everywhere right now. Dr. Okay. Strange is rich. Iron Man is rich. Batman is rich. Creed is rich. You know, it's like every fun of your fucking heroes are rich. But but There's Joseph, a you Trump he, is in mean, office right now because we love rich people and we constantly find reasons to love them. It's the weirdest shit going on right now. But but Joseph, you you just said during your review of this movie that <laughs> this guy's mansion is you know slightly larger than yours. Um, and, but implied in the that question is, is how big is Joseph? Yeah, Brown's you have mansion, a mansion. You're doing all. pretty well for yourself. <laughs> I, have so a, like... I have a mech mansion. It's not a mansion. It's a mech mansion. It's <laughs> like, I'm like, you know what? By LA standards, it's a mansion by fucking o- Omaha standards. It's a tiny shack. Like real estate is so expensive in Los Angeles. You, you have no idea what <laughs> it's more than what about. I've got Joseph. Yeah. Okay. But, but still, but still, by the way, Joseph, you know, Creed. I'm not Creed. <laughs> you know, I'm the original Rocky. I'm the dude that had nothing. You know, I, 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 I worked for my fucking McMansion, you know, like right, I literally right. started with $200 in Los Angeles. So there's a, there is, I'm still like, here's the thing, like tomorrow, if I lose, um, like bodied, right. And it doesn't make any money, then I'm out of my McMansion. You know, I like, I, I'm, I'm playing for some real stakes. Every time I put money into these movies, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm literally blowing up my entire finances and my future. And I could literally be kicked out of everything. And there's no guarantee that after I, it's like a boxing match. It's like, I go into the ring. Uh, I put a shit ton of money in this stuff. And if the audience doesn't like it and it, it makes no money, then I will literally spend the next couple of years either trying to sell my house or whatever. And by the way, on detention, I lost millions of dollars on that. I got knocked out in the ring on that, you know? And I, I am not Creed. I don't have a trust fund behind me to go into the ring. Like if I lose, I am Drago. I lose. When I see like Ivan Drago and Victor Drago, that's who I understand. I understand yeah. those people. And, and here's the most amazing thing about these stories that Hollywood tells. At the end of the day, when, um, when Drago loses – how did is this a spoiler? Should I wait for a spoiler? I think we're wait already into spoilers at this point, so I'll just put a spoiler <laughs> warning at the beginning of the. Of the episode. Someone got really mad at me uh, because essentially I hinted that fucking Drago loses. What fucking moron goes into Creed two thinking that Creed's going to lose? Like, <laughs> like how stupid do you have to be, right? Anyways, um, so in terms of the Drago thing, like the 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 sort of 
uh, consolation prize is them running on a, on, on a road, father and son, smiling at each other. No, they fucking lost. And in, and in, the, in the Russian empire they have, they got nothing. The mother yeah. doesn't fucking reconcile. The, uh, they have no money. They're freaking dead broke. They're in, a in, fucking- in the real world, they would probably be disappeared. You know, yeah. just like off to Siberia with you. Like, you've disgraced this country another time. Putin would definitely shoot them in the head. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, or or there's some weird fucking Trump shit where Kim Jong Un fucking Kim Jong Un fucking poisons them. I want to see your Rocky sequel <laughs> after all this. I'm, I'm just, Everyone I'm just, loses. Like how like how bad do you feel for these guys at the end? But Hollywood is I telling do. you. I feel know, bad for them. All yeah. Hollywood does is they go wink, wink. Look how great they are being poor. That's your you're, message. You're, you're laying your value system at the feet of this movie. And when I when I think the honestly, the movie is trying to express a different value system. You're saying guys, that everything is 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 guys, filtered through the on. All you're you're saying everything is filtered through the lens of money. All, which, all, all movies are value systems. I don't know how you watch a movie without bringing your own value system to it. But you know, your value system is money and mine isn't. So I, what I saw yeah. in the movie what wasn't wasn't about money. It was actually about character. That's can we because, go back to the movie and then Jeff, we can come back, back to you, money? I live in the real world where money actually matters and it affects people's <laughs> lives. Oh, so believe maybe, me, I, if I felt that way, I'd probably – I would have much better chance of getting a McMansion, I'm sure. I, I've <laughs> I'm, lived just a, saying, I'm just saying that like, uh, if you want to talk about boxing, which is essentially a sport for money, they're doing it for money. It's not something that I'm making up. Boxing is about money. Uh, the the whole thing is predicated around, you know, a, a promoter going in there and saying, "I will make you a lot of money." And Creed is not fighting for money. Creed is just fighting for ego at this point. Those guys, the Dragos, are fighting for survival. You know, and, yeah. and I, I it's think it's very, key that the movie ridiculous. opens up with them. Like that's that's what the movie's trying to set up. I don't. I think you're right. By the end, it kind of betrays whatever it was building up there. Uh, but yeah, can, can I get onto my thoughts? Yeah, Dave? let's let's hear from Devendra. Devendra, Devendra what do you we think can come back Creed to the money, but I, I want to <laughs> say like I do not like this movie as much as you, uh, Jeff. Uh, but I do think it's uh, it's in as far as Rocky sequels go, and they're all over the place. I think this is a decent Rocky sequel. But the thing is, Creed, the first Creed, is one of the best sports movies ever made. Like just on a craft level, on a story level, on a thematic level. Um, I do agree. I never like the idea that. You know, Apollo um, Adonis was a kid who was sort of raised with a decent amount of money like that. That aspect of the character I never enjoyed. I think this movie kind of does the character a bit of a disservice because after a certain point um, when he, you know, he wins the first fight uh, pretty easily. By the way, that was a really dull fight to watch. I'm not sure if anybody else felt that way, but the blocking was not great. The choreography wasn't great. Like nothing about that felt exciting. And then he wins. and He's like, yeah, give me, give me, give me my belt, you know, give it to me. Like he's fully entitled, fully entitled to everything at that point. And as a character, he feels really whiny in this movie. Like the, the point where he blames Rocky for not helping him win that first fight. Maybe that's a little human. Maybe that's a little realistic, I guess, but it also feels deeply whiny for this kid. Like this kid who, you know, just showed up one day and called Rocky uncle and expected him to train him. So maybe that's just his entitlement kind of coming uh, to fruition completely. Um, Overall, like this movie does a good job for the characters, like for the people we met originally. Um, But I don't, I don't know if it's enough. It does feel a little silly to go full on with the Ivan Drago stuff, even if they try to humanize it a little. I hear that we almost got Mr. T in this movie and I would have just like thrown up my hands and given up on this movie if that was the case. And I'm glad they didn't like go all the way with that stuff. Um, 
but at the same time, like it's it's you you gotta compare this movie to Creep, and in so many ways, this movie is just not not as good as that. It's a good follow up. Um, it's it's like you know, Creed is a very nice uh, three course meal, and this is a it, it's fine. It's a fine follow up. Um, I don't think it's bad in any way, except for the fight choreography is just not as interesting. The fights themselves don't feel as dynamic. There is no like virtuoso one shot sequences. Unfortunately, that's a hard standard to set. I know. Um, and even like the montages, not that great, honestly, like not that interesting. You're going to go fight this guy in Russia and you're training in the desert. What? <laughs> Wait, so Devendra, you're yeah. watching a boxing movie where you don't even like the boxing in it. I don't like the bo- well. I, I think some of the stuff later on is fine, but the thing is, like Rocky movies, it's it's not like they've always been about great choreography. I think that's the that's the whole like Ryan Coogler thing coming in with the first Creed, which the the way his camera moves, the way the action moves, you know, it just looks fantastic. I never went to Rocky movies for action; it was more for the drama behind it. And I think this movie at least nails that drama, even though it, it's a balancing act, I guess. Like they want to bring in some of the more dramatic aspects of Creed. Um, but it's it's not as good, unfortunately. Um, that, that's basically it. It's 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 a decent follow up, but it, it can't nearly match that first movie. So it sounds like uh, Jeff is hot on this film. Devendra is warm. Joseph Kahn is ice cold. And ice cold. I'm probably between Devendra and Joseph on this one. I'm probably in the cool. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty cool towards this film. I would say my my two big issues of this movie uh, are number one, four words. Screenplay by Sylvester Stallone, which, uh, you know, hey man, the first Rocky. That's yeah, we yeah forget it's, he it's, but it's because this movie feels like it is told from the perspective of Rocky Balboa. Does that right. make sense? Like, and this is not a character that I think is as interesting, or it's not. It's not even the character. That, it's not the character in the title of the film. It's not the character that I'm interested in seeing when I come see Creed Two. Uh, and it just it does feel to me as though there is too much focus on Rocky and not enough focus on Creed and what he's going through. Um, and so that's like one of my big challenges. With I, the movie. I, didn't, I didn't really feel that at all. It felt I like he either. was pretty sidelined, man. Like in a fact, side, compared to the first movie, yeah. the first movie is way more about Rocky than this. The first one. movie is all about Rocky as the myth, and this one is about like Rocky is like, "Hey, kid, don't do this." And Rocky disappears for forty-five minutes. Uh, I'm going to side with I'm going to side with Dave on this because <laughs> if you look at the structure of the movie, yep. uh, Rocky is the savior. The he's only the savior, reason, yes. Yeah. The only the only reason Creed ever gets to fucking go to a Mex to like to the desert and beat up a bunch of Mexicans to prove that he can beat a, <laughs> a Russian dude is because of Rocky. Rocky suddenly pulled these Mexicans out of his ass, you know. Yeah, like uh, you know, it's like he just sacrificed them. And to fight I, in Russia, you must fight in the desert. That makes I, sense somehow. I will agree that that is uh, that was a ridiculous uh, special sauce. You know, I, there's always that thing that you have to do. You know, you got to get learn the crane kick or whatever it is that you got to do yeah. to win. Uh, and this was a particularly silly one. And as as you point out, Devendra makes no sense as to why it would matter. And you I see that big guy beat him, and you look, beat this. Also, the other you thing, know what this is more like? This is more like. Remember Karate Kid when uh-huh. it was all about Danielson and then Miyagi comes in there, right, and teaches him how to wax on, wax off. And but it's really about Danielson. You don't really know about Miyagi. This is Karate Kid Two, 
where in order for Danielson to learn the new move, you have to learn about Dan- like Miyagi's daughter and his family and all that right. stuff. And that's happening in Rocky. There's all this extraneous B story of Rocky and his kid and Rocky in the desert and Rocky like figuring out stuff like that. It's not just Creed 2. It's Creed slash Rocky. Yeah. It's, it's split down the middle. I think that's what people kind of expect. I don't mind that because these movies and the Rocky movies have always been – they've been greatest when they've been about the drama the drama of these characters and now they're going to full-on hashtag family so you got to have that like bit of like character symmetry but that, there. that tells you something t- very terrible about the creed character that if you can split a character into two parts where you got to learn about his mentor and him the character may not be that interesting because if you if the character was really fascinating you would want a movie where you literally stay on that character the whole time but if you can split a movie in two and you have to watch rocky as much as you watch the other character that character kind of sucks I, I was uh, watching Creed one with my wife, but you know before because we were thinking that I might take her to go uh, see Creed two with me, and she was saying the most interesting part of Creed one, like the most interesting part of Adonis Creed's life, is not shown in the movie Creed one, yes. which is yes. when you see him after he's grown up to Michael B. Jordan age, uh, he is working at a financial services company <laughs> in between his rounds of boxing in Mexico. And yep. she's she's she said to me like what is the deal there like it takes so much hard work to get to like the highest levels of a financial services company where you're getting promoted and stuff like how did he how did he make the decision to to do Listen, like he punched everybody okay yeah like how, how did he, he train how did he train what like financial services like, it's not necessarily like a forty hour per week job it's like potentially you need yeah. to work really hard to get up that you know this that is level. the this is the theme that I was trying to point out that the first movie he has everything a silver spoon kid a Republican kid would want is, you know, he's got that high paying, uh, upwardly mobile suit and tie job. And he gives it up because that's not who he is. That's there's something missing. That's not, that's not honorable. And you know what that thing is? It's the power of God and, (laughs) and, and the entitlement of rich people. Okay. (laughs) Bring it back Uh, to the rich people. In in the real world, bring it back to where I'm going in the real (laughs) world. Michael Jordan's son doesn't go to the stock market and then suddenly quit at fucking age 30 and become Michael Jordan part two and, and, and win a championship for the bulls. Uh, the real Michael Jordan grew up, you know, in a, in a lower income neighborhood and had to work really hard. And, and that's why most sports are, are like, are especially things that are like basketball or especially black sports. Uh, they're lower income kids that, that we have got to, that like, movie already. Up. Sorry. They made that movie. They made that movie in 1977. Let me finish. It's not a matter like for you whether you think uh, the world has changed in 30 years because you're a white dude. No, it has not changed. It's the same fucking shit. Like people still have to struggle to make their things happen. And in order to like become a great boxer, you have to put days and days and days of effort into it. You can't Mm -hmm. suddenly just stop being a stockbroker at age 30 and become world heavyweight champion just because your dad was. It doesn't work that way. That is the perception of people who think that there is some sort of genetic entitlement to effort and work and money or something like that. There's just a weird messaging going on in a lot of movies today that I do not like. I want to reiterate that I am on your side (laughs) culturally. I am on your side about the world today. I we share a worldview. There's a movie about like about white dudes that kind of like think they have the same perspective as other (laughs) brown people. It's called Bodied. You should watch it again. I I watched it last night. I watched it last night. I I like how at the end of the day, this this whole review is a plug. Another plug for Bodied. It's great. (laughs) Fantastic. 
I'll say. I, um, I mean, there's no way for me to. I guess there, there's 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 no way for me to have a valid opinion about this movie, and, and I and I and I think that's a shame. But I. That's wonderful. I, Watch Body again. It's, it's it's got a lot of these issues in there. I, right. Sorry, Jeff. Go ahead. From a structural point of view, from creating a film series, a franchise of films, if you have a movie that did the the young person who has nothing who works their way up movie in 1977 isn't it interesting to flip that on its head in 2016 when the first creed came out and have it be a kid who should be underprivileged but gets everything and still needs to find something deeper in themselves i think that's an interesting take that yes maybe uh, reinforces a worldview about rich people that you find distasteful, but I think it's an interesting narrative approach to an, an established trope that we have three years ago already done. Here's the interesting thing. In terms of the validity of switching out a trope, right? Tropes exist for reasons, right? They, they're, not, they don't, they're not just film school ideas that pop out and, and here's a trope. A trope is actually kind of a reflection of a philosophical point of view, like, you know, Westerns, right? There's tropes about Westerns, about two people fighting and stuff like that. That has a lot to do with justice, uh, a universal way that, that these things gravitate that way. The trope of a rich person or, or an, a, of a poor person fighting his way to become rich is a trope not because it's some film school thing that can be switched arbitrarily. It's because there's a universal truth underneath it, especially in sports movies, that um, that poor people is, essentially have a trial by ordeal to survive in a way that the middle class does not. This is a very fundamental truth about sports. It's a fundamental truth about sports movies. To suddenly switch it, you have to really justify why you're switching that, that trope, really say something about that trope, right? Simply by saying that you know what how great would it be if a stockbroker who could have been a stockbroker suddenly becomes a boxer and becomes world championship boxing is a wonderful message to the middle class that follow your dreams and all that but it kind of shits on every fucking poor person that's still going i need to fucking struggle and hurt work hard so there is a version of this movie that does exist it was poorly executed, in my opinion. It, it, it fed easy answers, and there's a reason why so many people, even though they like Creed II, don't love it because there's still a conflict at the end. There are poor people out there, the Dragos, who are left out in the, in the, in the field by themselves, a lost, when deep down inside, people, I think, genuinely feel like those guys should have won. There's a reason why that works in sports. There's a reason why that works in movies. Tropes aren't just tropes just because you want to flip them and there's some arbitrary like technical idea and you just want to be clever. You've got to say something with it, and I don't think by saying that there's a rich dude that became a boxer and, and he found himself doing that is a good enough message for people that truly love sports that really understand it on a deeper level. I, I don't think it's a the beginning a, and the, the beginning and the end of the story of the Dragos isn't that they're poor. I, Ivan Drago, the entire one of the things I think is is conspicuously missing from this movie, conspicuously mis missing from this movie, is uh, the the entire thread from Rocky Four that Ivan Drago was a result of chemistry. Right. That he was juiced into being who he is, and th this movie doesn't talk about that at all. And it's it's odd to me because. It's there's a it, there would be no better time to talk about that when we know especially Russia now has been okay. doing that. Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Continue. Uh, I'll let you finish. No, 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 no. I I think you understand what I'm saying. I, uh, you know, uh, we we okay. know that Putin did that for the Olympics. All right, but and, here's the thing: mm -hmm. when you see movies, sometimes there's plot mechanics, right? And they seem like 
like uh, it's the surface level message, right? But when that movie came out in 1985, when the Russians are juicing, it really wasn't about the Russians juicing. The idea is that America is great, like represented by Sylvester Stallone, and watch how he's like working with like like in 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 snow with tires and doing all this stuff. American ingenuity is pure and primal, and the foreigners, the Russians, can only win by cheating. That was the message. It wasn't right. really about doping, because quite frankly, back then Sylvester Stallone was definitely fucking doping too. You know? <laughs> right? No, <laughs> agree. Physique. Okay. Everybody's cheating at the end of the day, but the but the contextual reasoning that that stuff works in the plot is because we're saying America is right, and uh, and our might is right, and the Russians' might is fake. It's it's done by cheating and arbitrary things, and they're going to cheat the system and stuff like Agreed. that. Agreed. Yes. Yes. So we're on the same page. That, if you take that contextual meaning, right, and then you want to apply it to Creed too, there are plenty of things to take up on that. The reason why it's discarded and not even paid attention to, and because it's like the movie doesn't have any themes. Do you know what I'm saying? Like of all the things to talk about from Rocky Fourth, it's not a true sequel. All mm-hmm. they did is pick up an older man who's not even the same fucking character, you know, and um and completely ignored any of the themes of Rocky Four. Uh, I, I think that. I think that's a good point, by the way. Like that. At the end of the day, this movie is nothing. It's about nothing more than ego. And yeah. that's kind of sad. And I think a, a sequel to Creed probably deserved a little more because that movie was about a lot. Like, even if I fundamentally don't like like where they started or where they took the Creed character at the beginning, um, giving him like a certain amount of privilege. Um, you know, it's it, it, that movie was at least trying to be more interesting, I think. And yes, yeah, Stallone is one of the screenwriters in this movie. But yeah, a bunch of people have worked on it. It, it, um, fun, this yeah. the movie the ending of this movie f- fundamentally right is is a step in the direction of later rocky films which is yes. to say it is a step in the direction towards cartoonishness and might makes right because you have this mm-hmm. situation where adonis creed he's he has a family he, he as you guys have pointed out he has everything to lose um and still decides to potentially risk his life uh, for pride is the way you put it, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, 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 there is nothing there other than that he, he needs to be the winner because if he's not, he will feel bad. And ultimately, the, f- the film is a glorification of that. Mm-hmm. And that's really why it didn't, it didn't sit well with me. Like I think a lot of people found this movie to be comfort food. It has all the familiar beats. It has you know the, the trainer and the, all, all the heartfelt conversations between trainer and trainee. It has the sports montage. It has the cartoonishly evil and vicious villain. And, uh, and it, it, it's very familiar. It's very uh, mm-hmm. warm and familiar. And if you kind of like those beats, then I think you're going to enjoy this movie. Um, and it has a bit of the truly good stuff too, by the way, like the relationship stuff between him and Tess Thompson's character, like that. The his him trying to do that proposal was more interesting than the world championship fight at the Are beginning you of the serious? movie. I, I thought yeah. that stuff was so corny. It was it was That's hilarious, so but at nose. least like they, the and, way and they the, talk to each other too, like and, the I think the interactions between. Bianca and Adonis are really just feel really relatable and really, you know, I mean, because of... I, I think so. Those are two very gifted actors. Yeah. But yeah. quite frankly, the structure of the script is horrible. Like the minute that he's going into the bathroom and he's like talking to her, you know that she can't hear him. You know that sure. the end of that particular scene is going to be her going, I don't get it. You know, I didn't hear you. I'm going to talk about something else. It's like, uh, you know, it's like we don't me, know her reaction to it when she understood. And I think that was interesting. I don't that know. felt like I, I a human feel, response. I just feel, I just feel like, like uh, uh, it's like you get points and you, you add points, you uh, you subtract points. But at the end of the day, if a good scene is like in in 
the serious positive. You've done a lot of things really cool. But I don't know. At, when you add and subtract the yeses and nos and the positive and negatives of that scene, it just seemed like a slightly on the positive because well, of the and, acting. Yeah, maybe slightly. But the the other little family bits like him, actually, the whole hospital sequence, I thought was really uh, where they're testing the baby's hearing, which is a thing I just went through. Uh, Jeff, uh, I know you went. You've gone through that a couple of times. Yes. I didn't. I didn't realize it's a thing. Like as you're bringing the baby home, oh, you got to complete all these tests. You got to baby's got to poop. Baby's got to pass all these tests, and it's kind of nerve wracking. And I felt the emotion of that scene too, of them worrying about, you know, will she have hearing disabilities as well? Uh, I will. I so, will give it that. that I will give it that. I think that that was probably the best stuff in the movie. Yeah. Uh, the most realistic stuff and the stuff that actually had anything in relation to mm-hmm. actual human behavior and experiences. And, and the other bit, else. Adonis and a baby. Adonis taking care of the baby. That whole no, thing right. is like, uh, there, there's definitely a certain point of taking care of a crying baby in the middle of the night where I just want to like punch a punching bag. <laughs> and it didn't quite work in the movie, but uh, I did understand where they were coming from. I, I think that if you had a uh, if you had a boxing movie and you said the boxer has a kid then you're going to have scenes of kids sitting there watching the dad fucking punch a bag. Like that's not going to be mind blowing. But I will say in terms of like when you want to experience new things in a movie, almost everything in this movie is a cliche except the hearing stuff with the baby. All of a sudden that's fr- a fresh take on, a, on an experience. It's a it's a unique thing. It, it feels specific. That's the stuff I want to see in pop movies. Mm-hmm. All the other shit is just literally going by the numbers. Yeah, so Devendra, I I agree with you that the uh, or I agree with Joseph that these actors are talented, and I actually liked you know the proposal scene. It's very charming, but other than that, I think the Tessa Thompson character gets completely sidelined in this. Oh, movie, she does, is, she does, which is Most kind definitely. of a bummer because she was she was a she was a fairly non cliche character in the first film, and I think mm-hmm. that um, this movie in general reaches for cliches instead of um, instead yeah. of doing something original. And uh, that can be good or bad, depending on what you're looking for in your sequence. It is so beholden to cliches, you have that muddled ending. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. My, well, my worry you... is for the next movie, by the way, is that if this is a sequel to Rocky Four, and I guess Creed One sort of was as well, uh, is the next one a sequel to Rocky Five, which was god awful? Here's oh, the man. thing. Here's the thing, Joseph. Is uh, what the ending says is that the real grand prize for boxing was love. You know. Mm. <laughs> So think about okay. that. I've never heard that before. <laughs> think about that. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I think we're uh, we're running out of time here. Uh, but Jeff Kanata, I'm going to give you the last word on this review uh, because uh, I want you oh to my. have the last word because it's, it's going to. Oh, it's a no need to one. do that. No need to do that. Uh, <laughs> I I I have enjoyed this debate. I think I've I've learned things, and I still <laughs> really enjoy the movie. Uh, and I think um, uh, you know, I think I, I think it's easy to recommend and and. Maybe I am uh, I'm somebody. What, what was your phrase, Dave? Uh, if you're looking for Pat <laughs> and things comfort in the food. movie, comfort food, comfort food, boy, that's a way to make me. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I mean, I guess that's I guess that's who I am. Maybe I, I don't know. Uh, I, I I'd rather well, not well, think Jeff, that. Did but, you did uh, you did you feel any of the concerns we brought up like were out of place? Like, did you feel that it let these characters down in any ways? Um, I mean, I think there's there's definitely. Uh, a missed opportunity with the Tessa Thompson character. I think she, you know, she's great, but you know, it kind of brings her into motherhood and, and, uh, in a, in a interesting way. And I, believe me, I like, we're, there's issues with my daughter's hearing right now. So uh-huh. I, I, for me, it, it, it packed a wall up all the, all that yeah. stuff. Um, so, uh, and, and I thought, you know, I honestly thought, you know, we're talking about, uh, all the jingoism and all the might makes right, 
uh, sort of themes of the Rocky franchise in general, I genuinely thought after putting him through all the worry and both of them through all the worry of her having a hearing problem that it would turn out okay. And I, I appreciated the fact that they actually did give her hearing problems. And mm-hmm. uh, that's something that's going to be part of that. And if these movies continue, that'll be part of that character. And I think that's mm-hmm. uh, to be applauded. So um, I don't know. I, I, I Again, I, I agree with uh, the fact that the boxing itself wasn't as exciting as the first film. Uh, I think it's unfortunate, like this kid that they, uh, they cast as the, as the Drago son, uh, he's a beast, but he, he does not have the physical charisma even of Dolph Lundgren, like Dolph Lundgren, you just can't keep, take your eyes off him. He's like, he has a physical charisma that just seems evil and powerful, even in an old age, you know, we we didn't talk about the, uh, the diner scene, by the way, but I kind of love that. Like that is something uh, you know, child me watching Rocky Four. Yeah, never could have imagined in 30 years we're going to see them uh, have like a heat esque conversation in a diner. It's kind and of the fun. fact that you don't hear him; he doesn't speak a word until that moment. Is uh-huh. so, it's like I just yeah. the mystique of all that. I don't know. And Dave, I know you have you even ever seen Rocky Four? I have. I have seen Rocky. Oh, you yeah. have seen it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I, right. You know, I was a <laughs> I will say white kid in the in the 80s and. Rocky four was a, you know, I was watching professional wrestling and watching right. Rocky four, you know, I, I like, I bought into that stuff. So seeing this, I think perhaps, uh, you know, had a little a juice in it that, that may, maybe wasn't there for others, but I don't know. I, I had a good time with this movie. And Stallone said like he, th- this is his retirement movie for Rocky. And honestly, I hope so. I, I kind of, let's, let's move on. And maybe we can bring in some of the characters from that series, but Rocky can uh, totally find being sidelined moving forward if they do another yeah. Creed. And also the next movie should definitely have a three in the title because come on. If, if it's a, a, a Creed yeah. three definitely yeah. needs to, ha- needs to be about whatever is going on with Adonis and yes. his challengers, right? It can't be yeah. another thing from the past. I think yeah, that's important. Something new and interesting. All right, well, let's uh, wrap it up here today on the Slash Filmcast. You can find more episodes of this podcast at SlashFilmcast.com. Email us at SlashFilmcast at gmail.com. Our theme song comes from AdamWarrock.com. Our spoiler bumper comes from filmmaker Kyle Hillinger. Uh, Stay tuned to hear what we'll be discussing next week. In the meantime, Joseph Kahn, where can people find your work on the internet this week? YouTube Premium. YouTube Premium. Get bodied on YouTube Premium. Devendra Hardo, where can people find more of your work on the internet? Oh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Devendra. I write about tech at Engadget.com. I also started that new tech podcast, uh, No More Tech. Uh, that's no with a K no, at nomoretech.net. And uh, Jeff Kanata, how about you? I am on Twitter at Jeff Kanata, which is spelled with two N's and one T. And I have a video game podcast called DLC that you can find at 5x5.tv slash DLC. And find all of my stuff at davechen.net slash letters. I also have a review of the Mission Impossible 4K Blu-ray at youtube.com slash davechensky. That's davechensky. Next week, gentlemen, we actually haven't agreed on what we're going to talk about next week. <laughs> Probably should have done that before I started broadcasting. Eh. Um, but uh, let's say Roma, probably? I think so. Uh, the Favorite? One of those movies? Um, yeah. but, maybe uh, both. Maybe both. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, but it's going to be something good. So stay tuned. Thanks for listening. We'll see you guys later. We watch the movies, flicks, tracks for the good, slash bad, it's the slash film cast. For all the news and the movies coming out, cause you know that it's the thing worth talking about.
get enough eye-popping, jaw-dropping, heart-stopping reality TV? It's the best. Then head to Hey You, home of reality on demand. Stream and download the latest episodes from shows like Keeping Up With The Kardashians and The Real Housewives, same day as the US. What's more fun than that? Or binge old faves like The Simple Life and The Hills. That's hot. Hey You, reality on demand. Start your one-month free trial now.